Hey everybody, how's it going? My name is Don and welcome to the Today's Just Okay podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm very happy to have you as a listener. And this is the episode for Monday, November 20th, 2023. Recorded in advance because I, like many people, have a regular job that requires me to show up and do work to earn money. So if I don't do that, I don't get paid. I can't pay my rent and I have problems. Anyway, I would like to wish you a good morning or afternoon or evening, whenever it is you happen to be listening to this. Right now it is the fall, it is raining outside, it is kind of crappy weather. And so wherever you are, hopefully the weather is a little bit better. It's a little bit warmer maybe. Um, or if it's colder, at least it's not raining and the air is clean and decent, right? So I thought a lot about this episode and how to start it and what I should talk about. And honestly, I think it's probably a good idea just to kind of go into the general purpose of the podcast because, you know, if you're, if you're here for the first time and you're wondering, oh, you know, what's this about? Well, if I don't give you that information, how are you going to know whether or not this is something you want to listen to? And I guess the podcast basically comes out of my tiredness, my, my exhaustion with misinformation and sensationalism. Everything that comes at me on a daily basis is clickbait. It is meant to elicit some kind of emotional response, a harsh reaction, an immediate reaction, right? There are so many outrage factories out there and they're all the same. They all do exactly the same thing. Care about this issue, pay attention, don't change the channel, don't unplug, don't disconnect, make sure you know what's going on because it could change at any second, blah, 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 blah. And the reality is most of it's fake, insincere garbage, whether it's on the news or social media, whether it's in entertainment, whatever it is, whoever's talking, politicians, talking heads, pundits, whatever, it's so much noise and so little information. And it's really just a waste of time. And ultimately, as I've gotten older, I want to listen to more things that are interesting, but that don't wind me up. And since I couldn't find much that was like that, that didn't go into the sort of the hokey mindfulness stuff or the five steps to success or whatever the heck it is we're supposed to be doing to make ourselves better people, I thought, why not make it myself? You know, the old saying, right? Now, I can't promise that this is going to be done right because I am kind of learning as I go. But I'm going to do my best and I'm pretty darn good at figuring things out. So I think, I think I've got a good chance of getting this right after a while. So hopefully you'll stick with me as I, uh, as I go on that journey. If, if I think about it like that, it's like basically maybe, maybe you've had a rough night or you're stuck in traffic or something like that. Maybe you've finished work or you've had your fill of, you know, the doom and gloom that just constantly invades your space. Um... <laughs> Maybe you want a nice after meal digestive that helps calm things down. Then this is the podcast for you. This is, this is the right place to be because I'm going to bring my take on realistic optimism and common sense and combining that with easy listening and interesting topics so you can enjoy and not regret spending your time with me and yeah, just chill out and relax instead of getting wound up and, and feeling kind of off kilter and anxious afterwards. That's the last thing I want to do. I want people to kind of look at this like a warm blanket and be like, oh, you know what? I want to listen to Don because he's the kind of guy who just helps me relax after a rough day or after work or whatever. So hopefully, you know, that isn't complete word salad. Now, before we get going, this is kind of funny. You know, every culture has its own unique sayings and I came across one. Actually, my wife showed it to me. 
Uh, it's a German saying called Kummerspeck, which means grief bacon. And <laughs> just saying it makes me laugh. It means the weight you put on after having a bad go, right? So whatever's going on in your life, something goes wrong, you put on some weight and they have a word for that. Germany is wild. The German language is amazing. The way that they just combine concepts and words into things. And no one can tell me that they don't have a sense of humor if that's the kind of stuff they're coming up with. You know, I don't know if Germans would actually find that funny or not, but to me as an outsider looking in, that is hilarious. And so I'm curious because I love language and because I love the way that it shows us how people think about things. I'm curious about what you know of others. So are there any cultural sayings out there that are not sort of widely known that, you know, get something across that otherwise we might not, we might not hear about in the English speaking world, right? I just, I find it fascinating because it really delves into the psychology of the people of a particular place or who speak a particular language. And I think the more cross-pollination we can get as, as a culture, as a group from all around the world, the broader our perspective gets and sort of the more understanding and accepting we can be of one another. And that kind of brings me into the topic of the day, right? So how, so with the world being what it is, how the hell are we supposed to stay positive in such a negative space? And if you have the perfect answer, I would love to hear your perspective on this. I really would, because I think that number one, anything that I say isn't going to be definitive. And we always need more perspectives when we're trying to balance things out. So I would welcome uh, your perspective, your comments, your, your, your thoughts on the subject. And in terms of, of what I think, you know, my perspective is born out of experience, a lot of painful experience in terms of lessons learned, right? I mean, I've had my share of mistakes and failures in life, both my personal life, you know, my relationships, my work, basically everything that you could possibly screw up in life. I have at one point or another done that, you know, making the mistakes is one thing, but learning from them is another. And that's really what I pride myself in as I've, I've experienced all these negative things. And then I have learned a whole host of lessons from them. And I have taken those lessons and I've built my life around that. And as a result, I've done some good too. Like I have actually saved some people's lives. I don't say that lately. Like I'm not just, that's not just for internet clout. Like I've literally talked people out of killing themselves. I've mentored some, some people, younger folks and stuff like that. I've had great conversations with older folks and just helped a lot of people help them solve their problems because those problems have major effects on their lives. It, it relates to what I do for a living, but ultimately not all of it is. Some of it's just in my own personal life or just doing, doing what I like to do. And some of the friendships that I've had and some of the, some of the good people that I've met. And I really, really enjoy that aspect of things. That's kind of why I'm talking right now because I love to talk and I don't always have someone to talk to. And so putting that energy into something that produces a, a string of content that people can refer to, people can listen to is to me fulfilling. I enjoy it. That's part of the reason I'm doing this is because I enjoy talking about these things and I enjoy learning new, new processes. Now, the key thing to remember with what I was saying earlier is that I'm just a regular guy. I have a regular job and I make a regular living and I live a regular life and just be a decent, responsible person. If we extrapolate that to the 80 to 90% of the good, honest, and just decent, ordinary people that live on this planet, because I do believe that that is kind of the, the ratio of good people to not so good people, you know, that's a lot of capacity for awesomeness. Like it really is like if 80 to 90% of us are hardworking, honest, 
decent people who just want to live good, normal lives, take care of our families, have good relationships, be relatively financially secure, do some things that are fun for us. You know, we don't want conflicts. We don't want wars. We don't want, we don't want to blame people for problems that they're not responsible for or anything like that. We just, we just want to take care of our own and have a decent community and chill out and breathe. If that's 80 to 90% of the world, then what the hell are we doing? Why are the 10 to 20% the ones who get all the attention? If you think about it like that, so the constant outrage, the sensationalism, all the nonsense in politics and social issues, global, regional, local issues, my God, it never ends, right? It's all just distractions. So much of it is just to keep us busy. It's not relevant to our day-to-day life. We have no influence on what's happening. We have no stake in, in the matter and the outcome doesn't actually affect us, or at least it doesn't affect us directly. And what does often is just stuff in our local communities, right? I mean, housing, groceries, clean water, safe streets, access to healthcare and education. These are all things that we can care about on a daily basis. And we actually have a real vested interest in, but instead of talking about those things all the time and focusing on those issues, what are the politicians doing? They're complaining about things outside of your local community. They're complaining about bigger ticket items that they can use sound bites for to drive their fundraising and all that type of stuff, or something that they can work on for later that'll raise their profile and get them into a higher level of politics or a better position in their party or something like that. So they're not really focused on what's going on in the actual community. Like where I live, I have never seen our representative in our community ever, like literally never. And I don't even think that she even campaigned here other than maybe showing up at a you know, a community event at one point or another, but in terms of like actually engaging with the people who live here, she's never done it. So why did we vote for her? Right? Well, I didn't, but again, she convinced enough people to do that because of the party affiliation that she had and not necessarily what she was actually saying. And that's, I think what we really need to take a look at is when someone is talking to us about an issue and they want something from us, whether it's a vote or our money or something like that, Really look at what's going on behind their eyes. What agenda do they have? What are they trying to do? And do you believe that they're actually going to do what they say or they're going to help in some way? Or are they just looking at this as a way to make some money or get what they want and they don't really care about us at all? And that kind of goes into, you know, the same thing that we see online or on the news or social media or whatever. And when we're just scrolling through things, they have this saying called doom scrolling which I find sort of fascinating because it's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy. You see something online that bothers you and it captures your attention, makes you nervous. And so you start looking for other stuff about that because you want to understand it more. And that information, those searches and whatnot, whether it's on the same platform or it's on Google or something like that, those go into algorithms that get attached to you and they start feeding you more of the same stuff, right? High engagement content. Like what does engagement even mean? And I don't know that I'm correct in this, but ultimately what I think more and more is that engagement is just a stand-in for addiction because engagement is driven by a lot of the same science that's behind the process of addiction because the whole goal of engagement is to plug you in and suck you dry, to take up all of your time and energy so that you cannot do anything else because as long as your eyes and ears and your psyche is dedicated to this one thing, whatever it is someone's talking about or telling you is the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever or whatever, 
as long as you're plugged into that, they're making money off of you, whether it's through ad plays or whether it's through you buying things or whether it's just through the fact that you are paying attention and the analytics that go to the publisher say, hey, we've got this many people in our audience. We deserve to make this much money. So first tip, stay grounded and don't let them do that to you. Okay. If engagement means time and energy, limit how much time and energy you put in. And this is how I kind of learned to deal with it as I asked myself this question, right? Is what do I get out of this? So for a long time, you know, I would surf on Twitter, YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And I would see all this stuff and I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, that's interesting. And I'd, I'd listen to people talk and I'd get the sound bites and then I'd get concerned and I'd go into that sort of, you know, snowball rolling down a hill pattern where they just keep giving me the same stuff over and over and over again. Right. And at the end of the day, I started thinking, well, you know, how much time am I putting into this? You know, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I just lost an hour or two hours or three hours. Right. And that's way too much time. And it happens everywhere. It happens with, you know, what we're consuming in terms of, of, you know, information and content on social media or, you know, the kind of fake lives of the Instagram famous and that type of thing, or even, you know, video games, they are really good at pushing gameplay loops that keep you invested and kind of suck you in and, oh, just that one more game, one more game, one more round or, or television shows, right? Where they kind of beat you up mentally with the melodrama and they leave you just craving that next episode so that you can get the release. You can finally get the resolution to the story and they never give it to you. And that's something that I've learned over time is that often you never get the ending to the story because if they give you that ending, well, you don't have any reason to tune in tomorrow. So just keep it going. And it doesn't matter whether or not it makes sense as long as they can keep you plugged in. And so they don't want you to get to the end of something. They want to give you something new to focus on before the ending comes for the other thing so that you forget about that and you move on. And if you actually change your mindset and say, okay, I'm going to put my energy into things that I actually care about, things that matter to me, things that I get something out of, things where I enjoy myself, whether it's a hobby or, you know, a creative pursuit, whether you're trying to learn how to write or you're producing content or whether you're just reading stuff or learning about things or, you know, having a good time with your family and friends, raising your kids, whatever it is, if you put your efforts into those things and you let the noise slide by you, or at least the talk about the noise, right? I mean, it's important to know what's going on, but it's not necessarily important to listen to a bunch of idiots talk about it. So the way I think about it is, is going back to what I was saying earlier, right? Like that 80 to 90% of people are decent and, and reasonable and just trying to live good ordinary lives, right? Picture that around a table. So picture people from all over the world, all different backgrounds, socioeconomic, religions, races, ethnicities, gender identities, sexualities, whatever you want to call them. Put all those people around a table and eight to nine of the 10 people will be able to talk in a respectful, reasonable way to one another and learn some things from each other without flying off the handle. And then there's one to two people around that table who will literally just go off. And my question is always, why are we letting them tell us what to do? Why are we letting them drive the rest of us? Why are we letting them bully us into being quiet or thinking what they think or doing what they do just to kind of not make waves, right? Why are we letting them tell us how to react when their reactions are so far outside of what's acceptable or normal or decent that it's ridiculous. So a lot of that relies on emotional appeal. 
Visceral reactions to things, harnessing psychology, science of our brains, and, and using it to keep us occupied. And if we recognize that, we can actually use that skill set to avoid a lot of it. You know, I like to spend time with the people that I can talk to, who may not share my beliefs, but who are open to discussions. And I mean, I have talked to a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, people all over the world, different citizenships, different languages, you name it. I've, I've basically been exposed to it in one way or another. And what I've learned from that is that despite having, despite having different ideas about how the world works and how social issues should be resolved and how we should exist in society, generally speaking, they're open to me talking about my experience and I'm open to them talking about their experience. And we will share that information. We will take on new information and that will form part of how we think about things. Now, it may not change our underlying opinions on stuff, but it certainly broadens our perspective and drives us towards understanding. And I think that that's kind of something that people who are dedicated to the engagement algorithm type stuff, they really don't want that. They want to push us into silos where everyone thinks the same. And that's a terrible place to be because you just, it's an echo chamber. You just hear all the same stuff over and over and over again. And the more that gets reinforced, the more it occupies your mind. It becomes the first thing you think about in the morning, the last thing you think of before you go to bed, you become a one issue person. That's not really well-rounded, right? You know, the more you are focused on one issue to the exclusion of all else, the less well-rounded you are. So it is important to, you know, find people who are reasonable and open to discussion, but it's also important to push out of silos where everyone says the same things. Look for people who are reasonable, who have a sense of who they are and what they believe, and, and they're willing to share that without necessarily agreeing or disagreeing with you on everything. They may not even change their mind, you know, and you may not change yours, but you're not going to get into a fist fight. That's really a good rule, honestly. If the person doesn't get mad or try to fight you and you don't get mad and you don't try to fight them, you're probably doing okay because that's at the core of fostering positive relationships, that whole thing in a nutshell. Find people who are mature enough and balanced enough to talk to without major problems blowing up the conversation. And for the people who can't do that or won't do that, you do not need them in your life. You may have to work with them. And you can do that to a, to a certain degree, but you don't necessarily have to engage with them in a private setting. You can unplug from them after the day is done. And you do not need people like that in your personal life just mucking things up. And always remember, right? Pretty much everyone who's in the business of information, anyone who's talking to you about stuff has an agenda, whether it's to get elected or do some kind of social engineering or sell things or whatever. And I mean, even I have one. I gotta be honest with you. Now, mine is to help you relax and enjoy life a little more, which isn't as sexy as pissing people off. Um, but I think it's a good goal to have. So, so just remember that there's always something going on. And a, a good rule of thumb is just to kind of follow the money. You know, who's getting paid and for what? And if the answer is they're getting paid to rile people up, piss people off, make people angry, blame people who may or may not have anything to do with things and otherwise just alienate huge chunks of the population, my guess is they're in the business of engagement and they're trying to keep us occupied, keep us at each other's throats, keep us divided, divide us into like these little teams, right? Everybody has a little team that you're on and you're not allowed to be part of any other team. And if you, 
if you cross the line, oh my God, you're the worst person ever. When the reality is we should kind of be rooting for everybody because we're all in this together. You know, we're not disparate people. 90% of the things we care about are the same. It, it doesn't make any sense to be angry at one another when the only, the only thing that is different between us is slight variations in how we live. And honestly, if we don't want to pay attention to that, we don't have to, you know, it doesn't matter because most of the time, the stuff that's different is stuff that people do in private. And if they're doing it in private and everybody's a consenting adult and they're not hurting anybody, who cares? Honestly, who cares? It doesn't make any difference to anybody. Anyway, I got off, I got off topic a little bit on that rant. So let's, let's circle back a little bit. So what does my note say here? Um, simple solutions don't really exist, right? So when you're looking at people's agendas, right? If they're, if they're trying to convince you of something and they're claiming that there's this super simple solution that if you just do, everything's going to go away. Believe me, if that worked or if that was real, whatever problem they're talking about would have already been solved. You would have already solved it. You would have thought of it already. So beware of big promises that don't have anything to back them up. And anything that blames other people for things that are really nobody's fault other than potentially just the people at the top. If a politician tries to blame the other, so whether it's people who are not citizens or whether it's a class of people or a type of person or whatever, or someone who lives a certain lifestyle, and if you look at the history and you see where the money goes and you see who's paying them, you might be surprised at just how dishonest they are being. Now, dishonesty in politics isn't anything new, but I think we often forget that even the people who we like, especially in the public sphere, lie to us all the time, all the time, because they have an agenda just like everybody else. And so never take anything without a grain of salt. Even anything I say, don't take it without a grain of salt. Think about it yourself. If you don't know something, do some research. Don't be afraid to withhold judgment until you have more information, because it's okay not to know everything and uh, not have an answer immediately. Take your time with things. You know, you ever notice how no one wants you to do that? Everyone wants you to react just like that, 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 bang, bang, bang. If that's what they're doing, it's because they don't want you to think about it, to evaluate it, and potentially change your mind. They want you to make a snap decision and then stick with it. And I mean, if you look at whether it's political or religious or social issues, a lot of the time you're faced with this false narrative that just hits you and then you're, they demand that you react immediately and then they want you to double down, triple down, quadruple down, keep going with whatever it is you said. You can't be wrong. You can't be wrong. You know, you have to be right because if you're wrong, then, oh God, everything's going to fall apart. That's not the case. The reality is we make mistakes all the time and often those mistakes are based on faulty information. And when we realize that the decision that we made or the choice that we've made or the position that we've taken is incorrect because we've gotten bad information, the best thing that we can do is say, oh, you know what? I should probably change my mind. Anyway, there's literally so much more that I could talk about on this subject and maybe I'll revisit it in the future. Um, oh my God, excuse me. But in the meantime, you know, every episode will deal with some facet of life or work, relationships, health, so on and so forth. And all with the idea of looking at the issue from a reasonable, grown-up, common-sense perspective and just examining it through that lens and giving you that perspective so that you can, you can sort of apply it to your own situation. Take what's good, leave what's not. And again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You can tell me. I'm perfectly happy to amend my opinion, opinion or position, providing you can back it up with something that's, that's convincing. Um, let's see. Now... In terms of the rest of the podcast, uh, after the topic of the day is done, like I kind of want to go into things like 
tips for work, life, health, et cetera, things that can make things easier for you. Maybe do some question and answer type stuff, reviews. Uh, if I've read something or seen something that's interesting, um, I definitely want to do a creativity talk on, on sort of the process and what I'm working on or ways that you can apply, you know, technology or techniques or skills or whatever to your own processes if you're working on something. And again, it doesn't really matter because a lot of the time, the skills that you use in one endeavor cross-pollinate to another, like transferable skills. They don't just apply to work. They apply to our personal lives as well. And then the last thing that I'm going to do is a book read. So as I mentioned earlier, I have a book out and it's called Lancet. And it's a science fiction story. It's selling okay. And I thought that in producing this podcast, it might be interesting to kind of give you that, that fade out where it's a nice, relaxing, oh, this isn't anything heavy or, you know, I, ha- I don't have to use my brain. I can just float along with the story and envision what's happening and enjoy that. That's kind of a great way to end the podcast and sort of deliver that final chill out, chill out atmosphere. So, and the funny thing is, is like, I just sold a copy of my book today and this is, this is how well it's selling is on a day when I sell a copy of the book, I feel happy. That should give you an idea in terms of the number of copies I'm selling right now. But honestly, I'm very proud of it. It is a good read. Everybody who's read it so far has basically told me the same thing. And these are not all family friends or whatever. They're people who, you know, come from a broad range of backgrounds who don't necessarily like science fiction. And they're all saying the same thing, which is wow, good job. This is interesting. Didn't expect that I might like this. I did like this. You know, my dad, for example, he's a 77 year old retired doctor and he's old school, rather conservative. He read my book in three days, like three evenings for him. That's super fast. And he told me the same thing. He said that not only did he enjoy it, but he really wanted to know what was going to happen next. That's what kept him engaged. And we kind of laughed about it because it's definitely outside of his wheelhouse, right? Like he likes history. He likes farm machinery. He likes basic real world stuff. And for him to say that to me was just, uh, made me so happy. So that feeling of someone else discovering something new and whether it's a new author or something like that, just the fact that I'm able to do that now that I've got something that people can consume and enjoy that I created makes me super happy because I love that feeling myself. When I find a new author, when I read a book that I have never picked up before and I go on this ride and just see the world they've created and the characters and the story and, you know, the message underneath everything. It just makes my day. And I just, I've got a smile on my face right now, just thinking about people reading something I did or listening to something I made and actually enjoying it. So that's part of the reason why I do it. That's part of the reason why I'm doing this. And that's part of the reason why I want to read you my book. So if you're interested, stay tuned and I will be back in a minute with the prologue and we'll go from there. And I'm back with a slightly modified microphone setup. So if you notice that the audio sounds a little bit different, um, hopefully better, but yeah, I've added a pop filter because I find that the audio that I produce when I'm just talking into a straight microphone is a little bit too breathy. So yeah. Anyway, Lancet is a science fiction novel about human experimentation and its cover-up by state actors, the quest for self-discovery, empathy, revenge, and personal autonomy. And one note about this, so I did talk about how I want this to be easily listening, and thinking about the story and the contents of this story, it's not exactly easy listening, so I'm going to have to amend that going forward. 
But what I will say is that it's a fun, good ride with all the good and bad parts of humanity mixed together and a satisfying conclusion. So remember how earlier I was talking about not putting your time into things that don't have proper endings or you don't have any kind of payoff for them? You don't get anything out of them? Well, this you will definitely get something out of. So I really do hope you enjoy the ride. Now to begin, the dedication is to my wife, Stephanie, with all my heart, love, and soul. And I mean every word of that. Prologue. Fear. The bridge airlock blows with a flash of emergency lights and screaming alarms. Icy vacuum inhales in the same instant, sucking atmosphere the captain and first officer through the burst hatch. Jettisoned in a cloud of handheld electronics, hard copy checklists, and shattered glass. Crew grown lazy from long, uneventful months in space are raked over their stations, desperately grasping for purchase, a strap, anything to arrest their momentum. Pressure drops to zero. Sound dies. No one can scream. Blood vessels rupture in flashes of pain. Eyes and ears start to bleed. Desperate hands claw at the bulkhead at the back of the bridge, sealed to keep the rest of the ship safe. It's impossible to open, but their muscles strain against the lock while they can. Within each body, frenzied cells swap oxygen for carbon dioxide. Organs begin to starve, and every heartbeat burns as their lungs drown in nothing. Inky black eats away at their sight. The end won't be long. The inner door slams back into place, cutting across the breach. Emergency pumps dump tanked oxygen and nitrogen, forcing the pressure back up. Eyes cry angry red, and stomachs heave until they're empty. Breath comes in ragged gasps, and more than a few throats cough up blood. Internal hemorrhaging. Someone is shouting, barely audible over the ringing ears and pain and fear and joy at still being alive. Alarms are still going off. Something's burning. An electrical short or the smell of deep space. Yuli Risovic tastes copper as she struggles to her feet. Her head is pounding. Everything hurts and she's pretty sure her left eardrums burst. She squints against the pain and the haze in the air as she forces them open. She needs her eyes even if they're damaged. Something to fix later. Report! Second Officer Talbot's shouting from his station. His voice is muted by a sealed face mask, pulled out from under his seat. He was the only one strapped in when... when... Risovic doubles over and vomits on her feet. Two officers dead in an instant. She's never seen anyone die before. Has never been so close herself. I said report. Talbot's acting captain now. Being a rule follower didn't make him popular, but everyone owes him their lives. Because he did what he was supposed to, he endured. Countless snide remarks and sideways glances. Arguments with his superiors about lapses in discipline. Everyone knows he's been written up for damaging morale. Risovic here, she yells back, gags and coughs furiously as her throat dries out. Comms tech. Get me a shipwide channel and kill those alarms. His commands are simple and sharp. She staggers to her console and drops into the seat. Her hands are shaking, but she manages. The siren dies mid-squawk. One down. But. Something's wrong. She keys in the command again. Same error. I'm locked out of comms. Can't access them either. And Helm's non-responsive. Internal monitors are gone. Fuck. Talbot's fist slams into his console so hard she jumps. He sags against his chair as she looks over. We just lost life support. The status panels in front of him are awash in red lights. System faults. And they're cascading. Feeding each other. Oh god. Feet hit the deck at this first sound of emergency. Instantly primed and aware. Flooded in adrenaline and sweat. Someone stubs their toe and curses. Tell me something. Bosun Rames shouts to be heard. She stands in her underwear, bare feet itching against the cold deck, while everyone else drags ass out of their sleeping racks and through the hatch at the far end of their compartment. She's supposed to be off shift. The whole bloody section is. But sleep is a fast receding memory. 
We got a breach, is the answer from the doorway. Words that roll over every ear in between, stoking pits of anguish into angry acid reflux. Pure fear. She grabs fistfuls of her bedsheets and pulls, turning the whole thing onto the floor. She needs her fab to get an idea of how bad the damage is. Space is a bitch and it wants to kill you. One of her instructors used to say that. And deep space is infinitely worse. She catches a reflection, laid on glass, and lunges into the back of her bunk. Her little rectangle of status readings slipped between the mattress and the back wall. Bridge airlock compromised. Two crew dead. Not good. Stations, she shouts again. Now that she's got a target, she'll bring her whole company to bear if she has to. If that's what it takes to secure the ship. She's drilled all of them for this moment. Or one like it. Everyone knows their role. It's her job to get them to it. She doesn't bother getting dressed, doesn't have time for modesty, and works her way out of the shared cabin. Out in the corridor, her men and women are already in protective suits, their emergency gear bundled at their feet. Sealing foam, hull patches, welders and oxygen canisters. Fire suppression and med kits. There's been no impact shock, no sudden jolt or shudder, so any sizable impact or explosion were out. Reactor must still be online if the gravity generator's still working. And the bulkheads at both ends of the corridor are sealed. The rest of the cabins too. All shut tight, their locks blinking a healthy green. Atmosphere on both sides. The alarm cuts out. Someone on the bridge must still be alive. It can't be that bad, right? Rames wipes the sweat off her forehead as she does a quick head count. Twenty-two. All accounted for. She's just got two. Her fab squawks, interrupting her thought. Comms just went dead. A host of other critical systems follow. Cold sweat flushes down her back as she tries to bring up the logs and can't. She's locked out. That shouldn't be possible. The fuck is going on? She looks at her people, their concerned faces, and doesn't know what to tell them. Feels her stomach clench. Bang. Something hits the aft bulkhead. Everyone's head whips in that direction. Two more impacts, then silence. Then another three. Someone's on the other side, and they want out. Rames jogs the length of the corridor, all ten meters of it. Might as well be their coffin. She forces the thought from her mind. When she reaches the bulkhead, she hammers it three times in return. Once, twice, then cups her hands over her mouth and pushes them against the barrier. Who are you? She shouts, forcing vibrations through the metal. It's the only way to reach the other side. Open the door. The voice is muffled, barely audible. Please, please, for God's sakes, open the door. Who are you? She shouts again. It got loose, someone else answers. You hear me? Whatever they had got out, and it's in here with us. Rames tears the cover off the override and pulls at the handle, but the lock doesn't disengage. Something's preventing a manual release. Someone screams from the other side, and then everyone does. And with that, this week's podcast is over. Check back next week, and I will have episode two and chapter one of Lancet as well. Till next time, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you later.